0: And that is what we see. We're bombarded, uh, whether it be in our news system cycles, whether it be in church movements. Everybody is about their rights. And now I'm starting to see preachers emerge. I believe they have enough knowledge of the Word of God that they want to be the leader in this Laodicean time of the people's rights and so you see them marching on Washington you see them uh, on internet sensations they have great number of followings and they're always talking about we need our rights and all this and so on and so forth and boy I'm glad that I live in America but that is not our mandate from scripture our mission according to scripture is that we should be preaching the gospel we should be preaching the book. And if you want to be honest, and I'll try to be honest this morning, we don't have any rights. If we got what we deserved, we'd be in hell this morning. But we've been saved by the gracious blood of the Lamb. And any rights that we have as individuals will be in Christ. And so with that said, Second Timothy chapter 1, I want to spend a little time here. And now these next three weeks, today will be kind of like a one message. We're on things that are sound doctrine, but next week we're going to start, which because it is sound doctrine, on children. Remember I spent a month preaching on wives, then I spent a month preaching on husbands. But now I never really spend any time on children. And so if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you make sure you get in for the next three Sundays. I will be teaching about what we should be teaching our children. And let me tell you something. What goes on in your home should be on the same page with what goes on in your church and should be on the same page with what goes on in your child's education system. If you have a breakdown in any one of those areas or two of those three areas, you're going to have problems. And as a side note, some of you already got problems and don't know it with your kids or your grandkids. And so I want to realign this because it is sound doctrine. According and we'll take a we'll springboard out of Timothy for next week where Paul says that and from a child thou hast been known uh, thou hast known the holy scriptures someone taught him the scriptures so I'm going to preach three messages the first message will be how to teach your children or teaching your children to listen to the voice of God that should be one of the things you do the second message in that series will be teaching your children how to lean on God. They need to be taught that at an early age, because who are they going to lean on when you're gone? And then the third message in that series will be teaching your children how to lend to God. I told you I had a productive time off, and and these things have burdened my heart, and I want to get back to that, because just because You're young does not mean you do not have something you can do for God. And there are some children in the Bible that were mighty and grew up to be great people, but it started at a young age. Now this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's get to today's message. And today's message is going to go along with my vision for 2022. 2022, I, you say, well, we're not there yet. Well, don't blink, because right after that chili cook-off, we'll be there. And so I'm conditioning you now. Here's what I want us to do at Tree of Life Baptist Church in this coming year. You say, but we're, we're in a pandemic. Let me tell you something. From here on forward, we're always going to be in some type of weird crisis. We're that close to the coming of Christ where he comes to gather his church out and he's going to take us to glory and the tribulation time period is going to start. So from here on in, there will always be some type of crisis that they will use to manipulate to put fear in you. And the devil is behind it to get you to not do what you're supposed to be doing. You look around in here this morning. Here's my vision. I know we can do it. I want us to double in our size by this time next year. You say, really, preacher? Yeah, it's time to get off the pot. I got a message. I've not been brave enough to preach it because I didn't want to hurt people's uh, uh, feelings or make you think that you're not doing enough, but it is time to get off the pot. We've been playing around with this pandemic long enough. We're always going to have something. There's, uh, when has there ever been a time when it's not been dangerous to come to church or serve God in history? We've been spoiled because these last 240 years in America's history, we've had freedom of religion. It's not been that way around the world. This morning, there are people being hunted down for attending an underground church and being destroyed or killed or drug off the prison. But in America, we still have freedom of religion. We've been given much, but I believe we've not done much. But my vision for us is that we double in size. This morning's message, I'm going to help you. Number one, what is the way? Two, I want to show you how we're going to do it. And three, then we're going to do it this year. And it's not going to be hard. I don't want you to to flip out and say, all the preachers flipped his lid. We're going to go back to knocking 200 doors a week. Every person. No, that's not how we're going to do that. Now, I'm not against people that do that, but that's not how we're going to do that. This church, uh, with all the churches that's in this city, we got to learn to do something just a little different that makes us unique, work off our strengths. Uh, we, we, we all don't have a bunch of uh, kids that we, we can send door knocking, knock about 150, 200 doors a, a week. I've done that. In my first years here, we're going to do it a different way. And I'm going to give you that ideal. And then I want us to begin to explore that and work to that end this year. Some of you are already, you you were the inspiration to this message. Some of you have already been doing that. Some of you have already been working on other people and now they're coming to church and they're sitting here and our church is growing, but I want to do it again. I want every family and every family group to look and say, okay, I got 12 months to be able to get another church or another, another family of about the same size into this church and coming. Don't worry about vetting them. Don't worry about, I don't think they'll like it. Let them make that decision. Let them and the Holy Spirit work that out. Get them here. We'll preach the gospel to them and we'll see what God will do. So that's my vision for this year coming up. And I believe we can do this. Matter of fact, I'm not saying I believe it with a little faith. I know that we can do this. I know that we can do this. Some of you are already positioned to be able to pull off what I'm getting ready to talk about this year. I don't know if you know it, but I think about half our church works down at Food City. That's good. But I also told one of those people down there, if any one of those members messes up down there, you make sure I know about it. Because they're representing Tree of Life. And I want us to make sure that we present ourselves right And the places we work because that's going to be our mission field this year where you work. And what I want you to do, I want you to live your life in such a way that people will actually come up to you and they'll want to know why are you different? What are you doing? Because I want some of it. And that's going to be your open door in. We can do this, folks. But let's talk about what might hinder us from accomplishing it and it's not a new thing i'm going to preach to you this morning on be not ashamed Be not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. A lot of people are hindered because they're ashamed. Let's talk about it, but let's read this chapter here. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. We talked about that. We preached on that. Which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also... Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Now that could be a reference to the salvation that's in you. It needs to be stirred up a little bit. Stir it up, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Or it was that gift to preach his ordination. Be not thou therefore, or let me read verse 7. We don't need to forget that. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Now you need to know this. Because this year as we begin to work on our goal, you're going to have moments of fear, and that fear is going to overwhelm you, and you're going to say, I can't say nothing about Christ. Oh, I can't do this. I can't tell others. Well, he's telling you it doesn't come from God. So there's only one other source that it comes from. That's the devil. Then he says, but of power. God's given us the spirit of power, the spirit of love and of a sound mind. Now here's my text. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. There it is. Nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Let us pray this morning. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank You. Lord, help us today. Lord, help us to renew our burden. Lord, help us to see that uh, we, we have a job to do as an ambassador for Christ, but help us not to be ashamed of the gospel. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Let me give you the mind of God and the basis for the vision for this year coming up. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, "...for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved." and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So it is God's will, even in this late day and time, even in the middle of the Laodicean church age, God is still wanting all men to be saved. That's God's mind. That's His will. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but His longsuffering, you say why is God tarrying so long? He's long suffering. And here's why. To us were not willing that any should perish. You want to talk about the will of God? It is God's will that not one human being die and go to a devil's hell. God's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God wants mankind to repent, to turn from their wicked ways, and to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. The problem is, many times, we're too ashamed of the gospel. I have been preaching these last few weeks on what is sound doctrine. And I assure you this morning that this is definitely sound doctrine. The Bible warns us in this last days that people will not endure sound doctrine. Talking about people inside of churches. And they will leave churches that are preaching sound doctrine to be turned unto fables and to lies. We live in a day when churches have been turned into community entertainment centers who will, while you are having fun, mention the name of Jesus on the down low and then sneak up on you with the gospel. This is part of what we call a seeker-sensitive movement. This movement has sanitized the gospel, and it has disinfected the cross to try and make it less offensive. And the reason they do that is because they are ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And my admonition to you this morning as a church here at Tree of Life Baptist is be not ashamed Of the gospel of Christ that is going to be what hinders you this year as we go forward to go back to work and to be an ambassador for Christ and to seize opportunities to tell people about Jesus you're going to not want to do that because somewhere down in there you're ashamed of it and you're ashamed of it because in the world's eyes it's foolish it's silly. It's like a, an adult still believing in Santa Claus. People want to make fun of you. You don't believe in Santa Claus still, do you? You say, well, I tell my kids that. Don't disrupt their little fantasy land. I wouldn't get in a habit of lying to my kids about that. Really? Did you ever stop to think about that? I don't know why I got on that, but the Holy Spirit said, nail it. And so I'm going to do that. We teach our children not to lie, but yet lie to them that Santa Claus is real. And then they get a certain age and they find out from their friends at school while they're being made fun of that their mommy and daddy lied to them about this man called Santa Claus. And you've done nothing but contribute to destroy their faith. Because when you start telling them about God, they're not going to believe that either. And you did it because you were ashamed of the gospel. That's not in the message. I don't know why I got on but the Lord said, step on that just a little. I'm waiting on him. Maybe he wants me to step on a lot, but I don't think so. I think that's enough. <laughs> we don't need to be ashamed. Let's look at our text verse. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. I'm going to spend a little time on that. Take your Bible to Philippians. Now, as I begin to look at that phrase, the testimony of our Lord, its direct context does mean the gospel. Uh, Revelation, the book of Revelation, John says that uh, uh, the testimony of Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Christ is the gospel. And we're to go forward telling others about the testimony of Christ. But I want to give you another slant on this... And I believe it to be fitting because I believe a lot of preachers fall prey to what I'm getting ready to to talk about. And I'm not trying to make it a ministry to call out uh, preachers and and to be mean towards preachers. We need more of them. We need more good, godly, Bible-believing pastors. But we're living in a day where we're living in the day of self-promotion. I've never seen the time where I got more so called preachers jumping on Facebook every five minutes telling you about their big bad self and how you need to come and see them and listen to them preach on their big bad self. You want to know why they do that? They're ashamed of the testimony of Christ. Well, they're preaching the gospel. That's not what I'm talking about. They're ashamed of the testimony of Christ. Let me show you from Scripture the testimony of Christ and how Christ lived his life. Philippians chapter 2, about verse 7. Back up to verse 6 because he's telling you that Jesus is God who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Amen. Jesus is God. But made himself of no reputation. Well, imagine that. What do you mean? Jesus wouldn't have jumped on Facebook to promote himself? You mean Jesus would not go to a preacher's fellowship because he couldn't be promoted? Or maybe he wasn't invited to preach? No, that's not how he worked. I'm learning that about this area, about these preachers around here. They run around, big swollen heads, and they're not coming to any of your functions if you're not going to preach them because they're not going to sit and listen to another God-called man proclaim the gospel because they never want to look up the barrel of the gun like they make their people do. They always want to look down. See, this morning I'm looking down the barrel of the preaching gun. I had to get away from a couple weeks so I could look up the barrel of a gun. And I had to get some preaching in. It's good for a preacher to look up the barrel of the gun. And so the Lord did not make Himself of no reputation. His reputation grew because of what others said about Him. Hmm. See, this is part of Christ's testimony that people are ashamed of and took upon him the form of a servant. I want to make it a point to teach our young people how to be servants in the church. I took a young man yesterday, little Christopher, and I showed him what it meant to serve others and to be a part of a widow's ministry. You say, why would you do that? Because it's something lacking in our churches. It's something lacking in our leaders. And they don't want to be servant leaders. I got a problem with a preacher that has a problem with mopping floors in the church or cleaning toilets out, and all he wants to do is teach or preach, and he'll never pick up a mop. He'll never pick up a broom. He'll never pick up a plunger. He'll never come and mow grass. I got a problem with that kind. He's not a servant leader. Christ, the testimony of Christ is he was a servant leader. And by the way, there's a principle in the word of God. If you can't follow, you can't lead. And you'll never lead right until you could follow right. And men of God and Christians fall into this. They want to be self-promoting and they're in love with themselves and they think they got to jump on a soapbox to tell everybody that might look at their page how big and bad and how tough and how straight they are. And i got news for you. When the hammer falls, they'll be the first to run. Oh, they're ashamed of the testimony of Christ. He was not self-promoting. Jesus was not self-centered. He was a servant. And he was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashionism and he humbled himself. Oh, there it is. Humility is lacking today. This is going to hinder you. This could hinder me if we allow pride to creep in. It's real easy for a preacher, a pastor to get the big head. It really is. And it's something that must be kept in check. And the only way to keep it in check is to stay in the word of God and on your face to God in prayer, because there's nothing like the Holy Spirit of God that'll bring things to your attention to make sure you understand you ain't what you think you are. We don't want to talk about that. As preachers, we don't want to talk about that because we're ashamed of it. And that's wrong. See, he was a servant. He humbled himself. Oh, and look this. And he became obedient. Boy, that's a hard word, ain't it? Become obedient. Even the death of the cross unto death, oh, my soul. You know, I had to come to grips with that some years back. As a preacher, as a pastor, you've got to understand you're expendable. And God might put you in a place or in a position and make a total failure out of you in man's eyes. But you're doing exactly what God has told you to do, when to do it. And in God's eyes, you're a success. And you become obedient to that thing. But oh no, we want to look good. And if we don't think we're looking good, let me make a little video, an online video, to tell everybody how good I am and how tough I am. Now, I'm not against all blogs and videos by these preachers. Uh, Some of these preachers uh, help people, and they use that social platform to try to help encourage the saints or to give you a thought or an ideal or to try to, to keep you in the Word of God. I'm not talking about none of that. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that self-promoting. Shake your fist at everybody because I got my rights and I don't care what anybody thinks or says. I care. (laughs) I care about it. (laughs) But I do know that I do not need to be ashamed of the testimony of Christ and that I as a pastor should be first in line to want to serve others. Instead of being served, I understand there is a prestige that comes with the position of being a senior pastor. I understand that there's a certain amount of respect, but when it goes to your head, it's no good. We don't need to be ashamed of the testimony of Christ, and that could hinder us this year. We also don't need to be ashamed of God's servants. Did you see that in our text verse? He says, uh, uh, be not ashamed uh, of the testimonies of Christ, nor of me, his servant. Did you catch that in our text verse there? Oh, preacher, what does that mean? Well, I got news for you. Here's what the Bible said in Revelations 1.9. It says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. Oh, you mean brother... It wasn't all a bed of roses for John. I mean, was he not an apostle? Did he not have the power of God on his life? I mean, why would Apostle John be stuck on the Isle of Patmos? Why did God do that to him? Why did God? Well, God did it and allowed it so he could write and be the pen for the book of Revelation. Book of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. The book of St. John. But we're ashamed of that. There were people that were ashamed of the Apostle Paul in his day. And I, you know, I was thinking about this week as I've thought about this message. I wonder if that was one of the reasons Demas forsook Paul. I understand the Bible says that Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. There was something that popped up in the present, and it was more attractive to Demas than... (laughs) the cross but i wonder if he is also ashamed of paul paul spent a lot of his time in prison let me read you a little bit there in second corinthians chapter Second corinthians chapter 11 and you'll see that the apostle paul and the apostles who all died a martyr's death except i think for the apostle john They tried to kill him. They boiled him in oil and couldn't, it didn't work. You're talking about the power of God on that man, but he wasn't living in a mansion and he wasn't worth 45 mil on the side, by the way. I don't believe those to be men of God, to be honest with you. While they get up and speak to you about how we need to feed the poor and the homeless, and we need to give more money to other people, and they're sitting on $45 million in assets. I think there's something wrong with that. You know as well as I know, between you and your CPA, that if you invested a million dollars, maybe two million dollars, you could live pretty comfortable. If you put yourself on a budget, let alone $45 million, and then knocking it all down every year, there's a problem with that, folks. The Bible says that those false preachers will make merchandise of the people. They're in it for filthy lucre. But men like the Apostle Paul and many martyrs of the faith, they died for simply having a copy of the Word of God, they died singing songs of glory, they died because they dare preach the gospel. And they were paupers. And they went out into glory in flames of fire. I believe there's been a lot of Christians and people that were ashamed of that. As a matter of fact, today when you begin to talk about how many hundreds of thousands of people that the Roman Catholic Church has killed down through the Dark Ages. Christians! Your brothers and sisters! We went, oh, preacher, You're ashamed of it! I'm not ashamed of it. I got news for you. It's going to heat up again. There's been more people, Christians, killed these last three years than through all the dark ages around this world. See, we're, we're in a bubble. We think the whole world is just like it is here in America. No, we're the exception. We're living on the mercies of God. God's still blessing this nation because the Christians are still here. I got news for you. When we're gone, he who letteth will now let until he be taken out of the way. It's going to get real bad. If you're sitting in here this morning, you're lost. I want to encourage you, you better get on with us and get saved and go out with us. But we don't need to be ashamed of the martyrs of Christ. Here's what happened to the Apostle Paul. He says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, oh boy, beatings. Above measure. In prisons, more frequent. <laughs> I was thinking about this morning at the kitchen table. You know, they start arresting people. You see, a lot of times their buddies and friends just melt off into the crowd. (laughs) Yeah, the same happens. They go to rest in preachers and pastors. The people, they just melt off into the crowd. Why? They're ashamed. You would not believe how so-called Christians have acted through this pandemic about churches and pastors decide to keep the doors open, keep plugging away and they says you're a killer, you're a murderer, you're a hater. You say, what is that? Be- they're ashamed of the gospel of Christ. They're ashamed of the biblical mandate. They're ashamed of the testimonies of God that says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. He didn't just mean you'd do it because you had something else better to do he said there might come a pestilence or a pandemic that might make you make a decision and he says don't forsake it you keep assembling there's been a number of preachers and pastors arrested because they said we're going to keep assembling we have to we'd rather obey god rather than men but then you have the other crowd, they're ashamed of it because all of a sudden now the government pulls the target down on them and they don't want to be nowhere around that. He says, I suffered shipwrecked. Of the Jews, five times received I-40 stripes, save one. A day and a night have I been in the deep and of. So I don't think he had a $45 million bank account, do you? But he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. So how do you think he measures up in God's eyes? He spent a lot of time in prison, wrote many of these epistles from prison. I think I would to quit. If the car develops a little, uh, uh, a little tick or something just doesn't go quite right, my fault, its fault, nobody's fault, I'm ready to quit. Wow. Why? I'll get to that here in a minute. It's right in the text verse. He says, be partakers of the afflictions of the gospel. It's not real flattering, is it? He says you need to, one, not be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Two, don't be ashamed of his servants that have decided to stand. I I see this thing all the time shared on Facebook. We need more preachers that preach hell's hot that sin is wrong, and that Jesus is the only way to heaven. No, what we need is more people that will stand up with their preacher when he preaches that way. Why ain't nobody sharing that? Everybody wants somebody else to do it. Yeah, that's what we need, more preachers. I'd go to a church that had a good preacher. Well, (laughs) yeah, you thought I was going there. There's a lot of good preachers in this town, and their churches aren't full. (laughs) We're viewed as the off-scouring. That's okay. I'm not going to get into the entertainment business. I'm going to get into the gospel preaching business. Because that's what God told us to do. But we don't need to be ashamed of the saving grace of the gospel. Romans chapter 1. I'm going to make a couple points here. I want to give you an illustration. We'll quickly move into the imitation time. He says here in Romans chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Now I would not have you ignorant. Anytime he says that, He's getting ready to give you a mystery, but that word, let me put it in today's language. I would not have you stupid, brethren. That's what he means. I'd not have you ignorant. So I don't like that word stupid. Well, then take ignorant. Ignorance is something you can fix. Really, it is. And that's what he's saying. Be you not ignorant. Be you not ignorant. Now, I said the word stupid because I was trying to wake some of us up. <laughs> He's like, oh, you just called me stupid. Oh, you should know this. I've been your pastor for 10 years. You should not be ignorant or stupid. (laughs) You might be kind and gentle to put up with me these years. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. If we're going to accomplish our goal this year, and I want us to double in size, and everyone I want to take part in that. He says, and is this what's going to have to be your thinking? Remember, how you think, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your thinking creates emotion, and the emotions drive the behavior. I am a debtor. You're going to have to begin to start thinking that you're a debtor. Who's he a debtor to? I don't believe in debt, preacher. Well, if you're saved, you're in debt. Watch this both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Watch it, for I am not ashamed of the gospel if you want to get the victory over being backwards and timid about telling others about Jesus, number one, you're going to have to have it in your mind that you are a debtor. You're in debt. Let me explain it like this. You say, oh, okay, so I owe God for my salvation. No, that's not what I'm talking about. If I was to take the money that was in my billfold, a dollar, You ain't getting my 20. (laughs) Been saving that a while. And I owe Brother Dennis a dollar because he bought me a pop or something. And I say, Harrison, the next time you see Brother Dennis, I want you to give him. Harrison, come on up for it, if you will. I'm going to give you a dollar. Harrison. The next time you see Brother Dennis, I want you to give him that dollar. I owe Dennis. You don't owe Dennis, but I owe Dennis. So the next time you see Brother Dennis, you give him that dollar for me. I owe him that debt. That's what God did for us. He said, look, I want to give you something. Oh, he did it. He didn't keep it. Amen. He's better than most Baptists. I'd have kept that thing. <laughs> now you know why I didn't give him a twenty dollar bill. He might have kept that one, raising good kids, sister, <laughs> brother. but here 's the point: If little Harrison would have went back there the next time he seen Brother Dennis and never give him that dollar, guess who the debtor is Harrison now he didn't start out being the debtor, but the pastor did. We didn't start out being a debtor, but the Apostle Paul said, I'm a debtor. God had entrusted to him the gospel. God had saved him on the road to Damascus and said, Now go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm giving you the gospel, which is the power of God to save men's souls. And when those you meet, you give it to them. And if we don't do that, we're evil. That's right. Because we owe the people that have never heard the gospel. We owe people that have never had a chance the gospel. And when we won't give it, we keep it and put it down in our pocket. I'll save that for a rainy day. And God has given us much. That's because we're ashamed. And we're debtors. We owe We owe others that we meet a chance to hear about Jesus. See, preacher, I've never thought about that. Well, that's probably why you don't tell others about Christ, because you're not thinking about it right. Your thinking has to be, I'm a debtor, I'm in debt. I owe... Because God has given me the gospel and he says, now go give it to somebody else. And then that somebody else is to take it. And then they receive the gospel and accept Christ. Then they're to take it and give it to somebody else. But somewhere we've stopped that. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You need to think right. Now here's conclusion. I want us here at Tree of Life to be a gospel-engaged church this year. I want us to always be gospel-engaged. I want us to realize and begin to think that I'm a debtor. And I owe other people I have to tell them about Jesus because this Bible says we're ambassadors. Remember? You know what an ambassador is? They tell the good news from the country they're from. All right, We're ambassadors for Christ, and we have an obligation and a duty. But one thing unique about an ambassador, they should live in such a way that when they walk on the scene, you would know they're an ambassador. Which brings me to our goal on how we're going to do that this year. How do I know where I'm going to do that? Because, preacher, I ain't knocking 150 doors a week because my knees ain't going to take it. I got you. You can do drive-by visitation. You ever heard of that? You can drive through town on Fridays and Saturdays and stop at these yard sales. While you're looking for stuff, you could tell those people about Jesus. Give them a gospel track. Leave it on the table. Drive-by visitation. You don't have to do much walking. But here's here's my plan. Every one of us works somewhere. At work, And like I said, we have half the church working at Food City. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I'm sure going to take advantage of that. I told Jen the other day walking out there, I see myself this year sometime starting a Bible study down there or being available for counseling for people because you know what? Not everybody's perfect like you. They have bad days and they need somebody to talk to. And I am available to sit down with a cup of coffee and to listen to other people and try to be a help to them. And I'm hoping that the tree of life people that are employed down there are living their lives in such a way down there that the other people around them want what they got. And so on and so forth wherever you work. Because it'll be your relationships. People don't care to know how much you know until they know how much you care. Just go in and do right. Have a smile on your face. Be happy to be there. And they'll approach you and say, why are you happy? It's Tuesday. Well, every day with Jesus is a good day. See how they respond to that. Now, I'm not saying stop working. Don't waste the boss's time. I'm saying live your life in such a way that people can see Jesus in you. But do not be ashamed to speak up for Jesus. And give people that gospel. I know that we can do that. The Bible says be willing to be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. It was there in our text. A lot of times people are ashamed of the gospel and they're not going to tell others about the gospel because they don't want to be a partaker in the afflictions that come along with the gospel. Because when you tell people about Jesus... They're going to respond one of two ways. Oh, you're one of them. And then they're going to start talking about you behind your back over there making fun of you. And then they'll be looking for any little thing you've ever done wrong. That, that's the afflictions of the gospel. None of us are perfect. You can tell them, hey, you fit right in where I go because we, we, none of us are perfect where we're at. We're all work in progress. Our favorite song is he's still working on me. Amen. But let's be gospel engaged. And let's start thinking that we owe people we're in debt because God has given us the gospel and he has told us to give it to the people we meet. And if we don't do that, this Bible says we're evil. Let us not be ashamed this year coming up of the testimony of Jesus of the testimony of the martyrs of the afflictions of the gospel let us take up that mantle let us seize opportunities to tell others about hey let me help you here's how you're going to do this I will give you the lead in to help sharing Jesus with others Walk in, your work associates, maybe it's one-on-one, say, hey, has anybody today told you that God loves you? You don't have to say no more. By their response, you'll know if you're going to get to continue on telling about Jesus or they just walk away and that's okay. Because this world needs to know that God loves them. For God so loved the whole world. That's the weird looking ones. That's the weird living ones. God loves them too. And sometimes just walking up to somebody and say, Hey, has anybody told you today that God loves you? They might break down in front of you. Maybe that was what they needed to hear. Maybe nobody else loves them, but God loves them. I promise you, if you'll just get in your mind that you're a debtor, you owe people the message that God does love them. We'll double in size. It's going to happen out of every one of you to be engaged in the outreach of the gospel of Christ. Let's all stand this morning.